Welcome in to 20th and Blake here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Drew Creaseman. As always, and I promise I'm going to keep saying it, I am excited to be talking Colorado Rockies baseball with you today, but I'll also admit to be more than mildly annoyed. Uh, not to be doing the show, I always enjoy doing the show, I always talk, uh, enjoy talking with the uh, Rockies fans, and, and hopefully we'll do a little Q&A on Twitter after this, but uh, just as a fan of good baseball, this has been excruciating to watch. Uh, it will end, but the Colorado Rockies are fundamentally playing bad baseball right now, and some of the worst baseball. Now, I've seen stretches. We've talked about this, the distinction before. I've seen worse offensive performances. I've seen worse pitching performances. Those things are going to happen. This game last night against San Francisco is the perfect microcosm of why this is so frustrating, why it can't continue to happen, and ultimately why I think, you know, the Rockies are going to need some special things to go their way if they're going to surprise some people this year. Because they... (laughs) On the one hand, they had no business even being in that baseball game the way they played at the end. And on on the other hand, they could have, should have, would have won it with just two basic defensive plays, right? You can live with the home runs that the Giants got. You can live with the extra base hits. What's very, very difficult to just take are these remarkably costly errors. I'll get to the Ryan McMahon one here in just a second, but I have to tell this story too because I was in the press box for this one and I have never in my life in the last 10 years of me doing this have I ever considered getting up and going and talking to the official scorer. And to what extent I actually considered doing that, you know, I wasn't going to do that. That's not me. But I was shocked when they announced that they were taking away the error by C.J. Crone from earlier in the game. Now, if you'll recall, the Rockies were already under some pretty crap luck, right? And this is kind of what I meant by they've got no business even being in the game. Their starter goes two innings. That right there puts you immediately behind the eight ball. When Sensatella has to come out, and I'll talk about him more later, after two innings pitched. And he was pitching well, too. He actually had swing and miss stuff going. He had three strikeouts. He's not a big strikeout guy, but an early in the game, like he really looked like he had it. He was locked in. And I'm, I'll tell you this right here, right now. I think if Antonio Sensatella just pitches the rest of that game the way he was going, Rockies win comfortably. But back strain, he's got to come out, and he's going to go on the IL. Huge, huge disappointing moment for the Rockies there. Ty Block comes into the game. Of course, the very first batter he faces, after getting squeezed on a pitch, by the way, gives up a home run. So you've already lost the little advantage you had with the first run inning plated by Brendan Rodgers singling through the right side. So you're at a 1-1 game, and you've lost your starter. Brutal position to be in, right? You take that situation into the fifth inning, 
Leadoff base runner, it's on the pitcher. No way around it. There's a walk too, I think. Yeah. So that's on tie block. Absolutely. And then a not that hard sinking line drive hit right at CJ Crone. Hits his glove and goes into right field. Brutal. Now look. I'm not CJ's been one of the few guys that hasn't made too many of these so far this year. It's been just about everybody else. I guess just they're they're passing around the bad luck potato right now. And that's just I guess it was bound to come for him too. This whole thing has been contagious. And you all know that I have said over and over again and continue to say that I think these guys are going to be fine defensively because none of them have resumes that suggest they should continue to do this. But damn it, if he won't tell you he should have had that ball. And that's another killer. I talked during the Philly series and I think one time in San Francisco about all errors are also not the same. The Rockies have been committing not just a, a large number of defensive miscues, but the impact of them, the timing of them, the end results of what happens has been that much worse, right? If Crone hangs onto that ball, change nothing else about the inning, but he that's a double play. <clears throat> He's standing on the base runner. There was no way the base runner was going to get back to the bag without literally running into C.J. Crone for the tag out, right? If he catches that ball, that's two outs. Then Kirk Casale still hits his home run because apparently Casale's got tie blocks number. Okay, you're down 2-1 instead of 4-1. Massive difference on that play. Killer that he doesn't bring that ball in. And again, they changed it later. I could not disagree more strongly. And I'll tell you why on a short aside. Not that, you know, I don't envy official scorers and I would never want that job. There are times it can be very difficult and a lot of people have a lot of feelings about it. And the reason stuff like this happens is because, you know, it does determine whether guys get RBI, whether that adds to a guy's ERA or not. So, and that changes how much guys get paid sometimes at the end of the year or, or what their arbitration will be. So there's real stakes here to whether you rule something an error or not, as much as it may seem silly. But for me, as a chronicler of the game, as somebody who just cares about giving quality analysis, the most frustrating thing about not ruling that an error is that I think it, it doesn't accurately tell the story of the game. Two of the runs that came around to score in that inning should not have. And if you rule that an error, and and now we can document it, and I can come back and show again with data exactly how many runs the Rockies cost themselves with their defensive mistakes. Instead, I've got to sort of mentally count it, right? I've got to, because those runs were all earned as the way it went down. But in my mind, I'm basically going, okay, there's two runs the Rockies gave back, right? Okay, very frustrating. Then you go to later in the game. No block, other than that, largely, you know, worked out of it. Did his thing. Did his job. But then you get to that seventh inning, and he got another one. Again, the pitcher creates the situation here. And Godot loaded the bases. Nobody out. And we get another one from Ryan McMahon. Swinging bunt, funky hop, weird 
momentum or whatever, but plenty of time for him to come up with the baseball and at least get the force out at home, which is clearly what he was going for. But he didn't get there. He bobbled the ball again, knocked it around, and not only does a run score, but nobody's out, right? What's wild is that the Rockies only ended up letting one more run score in that inning, and it was on a sack fly. So how many do you count, you know, one run there, right, as an unearned run? But again, how how differently might the inning had have unfolded in general. But in a game where the Rockies lost by one, <laughs> despite all of this, despite losing their starter, despite making these key errors, dis- despite the fact that they had to go to their minus side bullpen guys who've been pretty bad most of the year. And, and again, blocking Godot... And I know when you look at their numbers, it'll it won't look good. You know, three innings, four runs given up, one inning, two runs given up. Like that, you know, what do you mean they did well? Like, again, considering some of the nonsense that was going on behind them and the fact that they were kind of thrown into the fire in this one, they were okay. They were okay enough to give the team the chance to win. But undone by the mistakes. And then Daniel Bard, so frustrating for him, I'm sure, for everybody involved, for everyone watching it. One mistake pitch in the inning. And it wasn't like the worst pitch in the world to Yastrzemski. Right, the Rockies have done all these good things to come back and tie it. In fact, McMahon even got a big base hit after the error that tied the game back up at 6-6. So you still have an opportunity after all of that to walk out of there with positive feeling, with positive momentum. And instead, despite throwing some dominant stuff, getting big strikeouts, including of Brandon Belt right after Yastrzemski hit his home run. But again, that one slider just caught too much of the zone, too much of the plate. Good lefty power hitter turned on it, hit it in the second deck, and that ends up being the game winner for the Giants. Second day in a row, the Bard has taken the loss, so of course people are going to be calling for his head, though given the state of this bullpen right now, there's no one, I mean, Tyler Kinley could maybe close some games, I guess, if you want to do that, but that's just, there's no reason to do that right now because nobody's pitching extraordinarily well out of the pen the best stuff and location right now that you're getting is out of bard and kinley and after that everyone else is just trying to get through innings you know estevez and and Colome have been okay as of late Colome actually i thought had a pretty good inning last night did end up giving a base runner so he still hasn't had a clean inning all year but it's a swinging bunt that cutter isn't getting a ton of of swings and misses right now, but it's getting an awful lot of weak contact. So, you know, I, I do think Colome is going to come around. Uh, I'm about to get into some of the roster stuff, so I'm glad to see that Justin Lawrence is back because I think that gives you a dynamic in the bullpen that they desperately need right now. 
because nobody's pitching especially well out of the pen at this exact moment, right? We And we knew this was coming. When they started off hot, it was almost like, just ride that as long as you can because it's going to collapse. And the frustrating thing, again, about this one is as much as you might want to put it on the bullpen or the ill-timed home run there, again, that Block gives up to Casale. I guess both of them. Um, <laughs> both the home runs he gave up to the same guy. But like I said, over the course of the year, folks, the pitching is going to have those moments where they just don't have it. The offense is going to have those moments where they go into slumps and stuff. It, it You cannot, and I know you've heard me say it, but you can't give away runs. And whether you charge them for three or four or even only two unearned runs, Un, un, like truly unearned again like I said the, the error didn't count on Crone but giving them away three runs that scored that should not have if you just make two defensive plays and you lose by one and neither one of those plays were especially difficult to make either that's the other frustrating thing is I'm not out here saying you know Hey, if they could have made this fantastic play, or boy, if they could have turned just this wicked double play or something, I'm not like re, like inventing something that, you know, I'm saying make the standard basic play right in front of you, and those runs don't score. Simple as that. That's just how the game works. <laughs> so I'm, I'm very frustrated by watching the bad defense. Like I said, I can deal with a guy leaving a pitch over the middle or losing his command or hitters that... Going to slumps, that is, in the immortal words of Harry Ralston Black, that's baseball. But this isn't. that. This, you can't keep doing this. And they will absolutely torpedo their season if they continue to. Uh, so, you know, hold on to your butts. But yeah, the, the, <laughs> the bad defensive play just can't be a thing. It's as simple as that. It cannot be a thing. A couple other things before I sign off really quick here, and it's going to be a shorter episode today, but I do want to talk about the roster moves. As I mentioned, Antonio Sensatella to the IL. Bud Black was a little bit coy today about saying who will or won't step up in there. But uh, basically what we're going to see is either it'll be Ty Block or Ashton Godot making a spot start, or uh, you might see Ryan Feltner step up and make a spot start as well as we saw him do in Philadelphia. It, you know, it sounded like they were laying the groundwork a little bit for Block to do it, but it also sounded like they weren't necessarily married to one idea or the other just yet, that it's going to happen when they go to Pittsburgh. You know, they've got some time to kind of decide what it's going to be here. So um, I, I also kind of got the sense that they're going to try to ride this out like they did before with hopefully a short IL stint. Again, the only update today was back strain. You know, they didn't uh, say MRIs or any of this other stuff, just back strain. Uh, I think they're going to try to get away with one game from, again, whether it's the bullpen guys or Ryan Feltner. I think those are your options. It'd be one game out there. Pittsburgh is probably the best place to try to do it and still maybe steal yourself a win. And, and I'd love to see the young guy get another opportunity again if it works right on the schedule, if he's properly rested, if, if, if all of that comes up right and they can make it work. I personally, as someone who have never been a huge uh, Ryan Feltner guy, would love to see another game out of him. I was impressed with Philadelphia despite the basic line not looking great that's a monster of an offense and he was thrown into a very difficult position and had terrible defense behind him i'd like to see 
what he could maybe do going up against a lineup that isn't packed with potential all-stars and hopefully, you know, would get some some better support for him because Feltner could be an interesting guy uh, even if, and Bud Black said this today, you know, that the starting pitching depth is going to be a lot better in a month or so when Peter Lambert and then shortly thereafter they're hoping Ryan Rollison are starting to come back from things. And he even did mention some guys today in the minors like Chris McMahon or, or, you know, I don't think they mentioned Hell Chris Oliveras, but he's out there too, though I don't think he's been healthy just yet. Uh, Jose Urania, who they just picked up on waivers, uh, another interesting guy. But, you know, for now, they, they need Sensatella back as, as much as possible, as quickly as possible, excuse me, is one of the things we've talked about. They're really reliant on their starting pitching, and the starting pitching hasn't been fantastic yet, and it needs to be. It needs to be fantastic in order for this team to do much of anything. Because, as we've seen, the bullpen's going to be shaky. It's going to be shaky all year. You can maximize them if you don't need to use them all that much. But if you need to get three, four, five innings out of them every single night, it's going to get ugly out there. It's going to get ugly a lot. So uh, that's another reason why I would probably prefer to see them stay away from, if they can, if it makes sense to, you know, maxing out Block and Godot and these uh, innings from their long relief guys early. Let's see what the kid, and he's not even that young anymore. I think Feltner's like 26. <laughs> let's, let's, see, let's see what the kid can do and, um, you know, and see if he can continue to carve out and find a place potentially on a future big league roster, even if that does end up being in the bullpen once those other guys return. A few other interesting little things uh, that Justin Lawrence in the meantime, has, as I mentioned, been called back up. Uh, you know, they'll make a decision on that spot starter or make the roster move if they have to make a roster move at all. Uh, Bud Black has mentioned that when Chris Bryant returns, which they hope will be this weekend against the Mets, uh, they're going to go with four-man bench, which means that they're going to be sending down a pitcher. None of the position players have to worry anything about losing their jobs, maybe playing time or whatever. Uh, but you've got Chris Bryant coming back uh, this weekend Again, if all things go well and his couple of rehab starts out there with the isotopes in Salt Lake City, then it's probably going to be another pitcher that gets sent down. We've talked before about what they did last time with Gilbreth and Lawrence. I understand the desire and the need to have a left-handed pitcher, but quite frankly, if Justin Lawrence pitches well in the next couple of days against the Giants and Mets, you've got to keep him on the roster. This is an opportunity for him to win a spot just out of necessity because somebody in the bullpen has to be going well. And if he can go out there and not walk guys, Justin Lawrence can win himself a job right now. If not, it's fair and reasonable to understand why the club would send him back down to work on some things and continue to get him some some seasoning, as, as it were, and uh, some experience in late innings and all of that stuff and, and even pace him for the second half of the season, which is exactly what was going on with Dom Nunez, by the way, which when I first heard the news, I was like, well, that's kind of strange. And then I immediately figured it out. And it was confirmed today by Bud Black. I, I just thought for five minutes, I was like, this has to be about getting Nunez playing time. He's hardly played at all. And he's just sitting there getting rusty and he's a catcher and that's no good for him. And then Bud Black was asked about that today. And that's basically exactly what he said. We need Nunez to get at bats. We need him to catch games. We need him, you know, basically we got to get some blood flowing in there. Like Diaz has mostly played pretty well. He's mostly been pretty healthy. He's gone into a bit of hitting slump recently. We talked about that today with Bud Black as well, but his catching has been fantastic. Um, he works really well with the staff. He's been very healthy. He's, you know, all those things. He hasn't needed to, too many days off. And Brian Servan, who got called up 
you know, is a, a really quality defensive catcher as well and has an opportunity to maybe show if he can make some kind of an impact. I've, again, he's kind of a, a Ryan Feltner type of player for me, one of those guys who's always been really solid in the minors but never had this huge like resume, never really had big moments or statistics that jumped off the screen at you and made you go, oh, yeah, this guy could totally be a thing. But you never know in baseball. You just never know in baseball. But the, the scouting report on Brian Servin is he's all right. He shouldn't be costing you too much out there, right? He's, he's a nice, solid guy that the, the team has liked for a while. He's been in big league camp like four years in a row or something. So good for him to get to come up, potentially make a major league debut. We'll see if he actually gets into any games or not. You know, you, you need your backup catcher and you need him to be a solid guy. And he's somebody that the organization and Bud Black, uh, who can be notoriously harsh on catchers, trust. So they're going to see what's up with Brian Servin, maybe. But I do think that, in fact, I know because they said it today and it was the most logical thing the second it happened, that this is about Dom Nunez. This is about making sure that he can get some work in, that he can go and get go see the ball, like get live BP in real games, run the bases and stuff. You know, it's just, he hasn't been able, because he's having a fine year as they, as buddy said today, this is not about like, Oh, we need him to, to work on some things. Like there's always things to work on. Of course, you know, you go down, you, you want him to catch some games. You want him to, to feel in the mode of things, but he's been taking good at bats this season at the big league level. Doesn't have a huge number. He's been walking a lot. A uh, couple of, you know, nice line drives into the gap. He just hasn't been getting playing time. I think it's something like 30 plate appearances. And so, you know, send him down. Fair enough. That's what's going on there. Uh, well, but when I first saw it, I was like, that's kind of interesting. And then I want to finish on uh, last couple of notes here, uh, little media things. First of all, we are all hoping that Kelsey Wingert, over at AT&T Sports. She's one of the new people there. She's been fantastic on camera doing a sideline reporting. I haven't gotten to see a whole lot of it. Uh, as a lot of you know, I and I'm going to get to this in just a second, I'm a big radio guy. I do watch the television broadcasts uh, occasionally. A lot of times when I'm at home, I don't really get much of that because I'm in the press box. I've gotten to know Kelsey very little, uh, but, but, but a little bit. And she took a hard line drive off of the face yesterday. If you, if you didn't see it, it as a foul ball into the camera. Well, uh, I didn't really see it. I saw the commotion going around. I heard people tweeting about it and talking to my discord about it. Uh, it's something that, you know, it seems like once a year, I know a media person and it unfortunately always seems to be a woman. And I don't know what the hell that's all about, but it, it just gets hit in the face with a, a hard one and a hard line driving. So we hope she's doing better out there. I heard she's okay. You know, um, but not didn't it didn't feel great. I can tell you that much, and it's it's scary, and it's another reminder of why those nets are up, and uh, you know how uh, how dangerous sometimes that that baseball can be, and how fast the speed of the game is, and uh, it's wild, you know. So, uh, but anyway, we wanted to give big ups and big shout out to Kelsey Winger. I hope she's doing all right, and of course, I wanted to finish off by saying huge ups to Jack Corrigan on announcing uh, announcing calling on the radio his 3000th Rockies game. I think I've said before here on this show or other shows, I've said it on Twitter, uh, but it's worth repeating again that I have always really appreciated Jack Corrigan and for a long time he became the primary voice of the Rockies on the radio when I was in high school and 
you know, I always think about baseball on the radio, listening to it with my parents and my brother on our long drives home or to the ballpark, you know, for practice or little league games throughout the summer. Baseball on the radio is my soundtrack to the summer. You know, it's when I hear that voice and that cadence and it, it sinks me in and it reminds me of home and it reminds me of my childhood and of playing the game and of the players that I looked up to when I was a kid and of my connection, my, my much, my purest possible connection to the game of baseball. And when I began doing this about 10 years ago, you know, Jack was one of the very first people who once he saw I was going to be around, you know, semi-regularly, by no means would I say he took me under his wing and I became his pupil, like not even a little bit, but he would engage me in conversation as somebody who, you know, and, and I've talked about this in other areas of life, and this is a weird place to drop it, but it's true. And I appreciate it for this reason as somebody who deals with certain kinds of social anxiety, like, obviously, I can get over it enough that I can go down to the ballpark and interview baseball players and talk about black and stuff. But there's getting introducing myself to somebody or, or asking somebody for advice, you know, can be a challenge. It's one I've learned to deal with in certain ways, but I don't always. Sometimes I just get introspective and I, you know, I keep my head down and I do my job and and that's it. Right. So that Jack was one of the people who understanding probably without knowing for sure that I'd been listening to him since I was in high school, you know, to make the effort to come up and say, hi, Drew, know who you are. I've seen you out there. I've heard some of the questions you've been asking, doing a good job, you know, or even pulling me aside at other times. And I won't, you know, tell you the specifics of anything, but, you know, saying, Hey, you know, I heard this thing you said, or I saw this thing you said, and you might want to think about it in this way. Given his experience, that was extraordinarily valuable to me to hear from somebody who's been around this game forever. And he's shared stories about his time in Cleveland and he's never once shrugged me off or shirked me off or been too busy or, you know, and, and I've always really appreciated the fact that uh, anytime we see each other, it, it's a hello. And I'm sure he's like that with everybody. And, uh, you know, I'm not always like that with everybody. I don't know everybody down at the ballpark. I know some people. I, I say hello to, like, all the security guards. And I'm not sure there's not all those people or whatever. But there's certain, you know, I don't, I don't, know, I don't know everybody. I don't know all the big wigs or, or whomever. So when they, they come over and they say, hey, I see what you're doing. Like that, that stuff really matters. And so, as I said on Twitter, Jack Corrigan is a class act. To me, he will always be the voice of the Colorado Rockies. It was uh, very sad to hear about the passing of his mother. And they, they covered all of that on the show. And, and he talked about it and told some beautiful stories. And uh, Jack and Jerry, and, and shout out to Mike Rice. I love Mike Rice. I really, really do. But and Jack and Jerry, to me, are a perfect baseball on the radio combination and I really appreciate both of their friendships I guess and and again I'm not I'm not sure they would even use that word to describe me or whatever but certainly their 
not treating me as though I was the new guy or that I was any lesser than because I wrote for a blog or then I wrote for a startup or whatever. They didn't know any of that stuff. Like they just appreciated that I showed up wanting to learn about baseball and wanting to show what I knew about baseball. And they were willing to engage me as an equal. Despite all that. There's some really great people in and around this team. And maybe that's part of the reason why I've been known to get a little defensive at times. Uh, because there there really are some truly great and wonderful people down there doing great and wonderful work. Uh, even if that means to cover. And you know how many games these radio and TV guys do? Usually... 150 plus going on the road, their travel schedule, everything that no days off. It's amazing the grind that they put in. So I just wanted to finish on that. Congratulations, Jack Corrigan on the 3000th game. Thank you so much for just being awesome. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, same to everybody out there, right? Same to everybody out there. We are enjoying a little bit of baseball, even though it's frustrating. Going to have Jack Corrigan and Jerry Schemmel again tonight. If you're watching television, shout out to all my friends. And I do love the AT&T sports crew. Shout out to Drew Goodman, and Jeff Hewson, and Kelsey Winger. Hopefully it's, it's better soon. Uh, Soli Spilly and Jenny, of course, always bringing the fun. But, uh, yeah. 3,000 games. Amazing stuff. Thank you all for listening to this episode of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. Really appreciate you all. Make sure you're checking out all the podcasts here on the network, all the written content at milehighsports.com. Follow me on Twitter at Drew Creaseman so you can join me for some of these Twitter spaces. Do a couple of Q&As every now and then. They tend to be quite a bit of fun especially the more people that come by and have more interesting questions to ask. So thank you all for continuing to be absolutely awesome out there. You know that I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman in here. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark.